Good morning, everybody. Happy holiday week. I am excited to go over some topics that should uh, hopefully be a benefit to everybody this week, especially after the holiday. We're going to be going over some uh, Black Friday deal stuff later on and ways to not get uh, screwed on uh, on deals and make sure you're actually getting good deals. Um, and I've got with me uh, this week, Jeff Heatherly again, our dispatch team manager and customer service manager. And uh, speaker extraordinaire um and so uh, thanks for being with me again this week yeah thanks for having me back so a few things i wanted to go over uh before we get into some of the more relevant stuff this week uh as far as holiday things are are uh, considered and uh, black friday deals and such is um some news of well there's there's been some pretty crazy news uh, the in the tech industry this week if in fact yesterday if you googled uh, tech news, which is something that I would I would traditionally do as the person preparing for the show. Right. Um, the only thing like Google gives you like the the top article, and then it would give you like seven suggested other articles. Uh, the only thing that was coming up was uh, the CEO of OpenAI, which is the company that makes ChatGPT, was ousted from the company. So we're going to go over that a little bit today um, and talk about kind of the implications of that. And um, hopefully some other AI news uh, um, and, and hopefully that things will work out smooth. I, I'm going to have some predictions. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's all it's all going to come out just fine. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it shortly. So uh, the thing I wanted to start out with, though, is something that's been um, it, it's been in the news recently and it's not understood by most. And I wanted to clarify some of it is uh, Apple is going to be adding uh, a, a, a service type, um, to their messaging application in their phone. So when you, when you, if you have an iPhone and you open messages, this is where you would send text messages. That's technically just called the messages app. A lot of people confuse that with, Oh, open iMessage. That's not what it is. iMessage is a protocol. It's a feature, uh, that you can use within that messages app. Right. It's so that you can message other people with iPhones. Now, just to start with, let's. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna loop this back in for everybody with an Android um, too, because it does affect you. Um, yes, <laughs> it's funny because like the only two people I've had with me on the show are both Android users, and um, if I bring in the third guy, I won't say his name, who I've been trying to get to come in with me on the show. He's also an Android user, and then I think every other person that works in this office, I think literally has an iphone oh no 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 we have two developers who use androids but other right. than that it's like everybody else uses iphones which is weird for the tech industry because for the most part our in our industry is is pretty android heavy um but yeah well you know just to give a little insight it's it's shifted a lot to a lot of iPhone users. Also, we do have a lot of administrative staff here, I guess, right? Not as many technical people. Sure, but, sure. Um, even a lot of our techs, though, are iPhone users, at least here. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. So uh, RCS. Um, RCS is a protocol Apple is adding to their messages platform. And right now, if you use um, iMessage, you're sending a message which is encrypted from your iCloud account which is what you would have if, you, if you're using an iPhone, to a different iCloud account. The really cool thing about that, beyond the fact that it, you get the blue bubble and you get sure. high quality videos and 
So I think that a lot of folks who might be listening to us now aren't aware of the different, they, I mean, they've seen sometimes it's a blue bubble or it's a green bubble, but I don't know that they know the difference between like, what's the difference between an iMessage and a text message? Right. Yeah. And so iMessage is you're sending this message, whether it's a picture or a text or a video or a PDF, you're sending that through Apple's servers. So it leaves your phone, it goes to Apple, and then it, from Apple, it goes to another Apple device. So your phone carrier never sees that message, is that right? No. And if you're off Wi-Fi and you're using you know, your 5G signal or whatever it is, your phone carrier can see that you communicated with Apple, but it cannot see the contents of that communication, which that's kind of what I was getting at is the coolest thing about iMessage is that it's encrypted. It's totally private. Um, Whereas a text message from your iPhone or from your Android device is an SMS protocol that's, that's been, you know, send me an SMS. That's kind of what it used to be in the very beginning. We all knew what SMS was. Now we just say text. So I think it's simple message service is what it stands for. And it is raw text, leaving your phone, going to your carrier. Your carrier can see those letters and then they send that to the other person's carrier or just to the other phone if, if you're both on like Verizon or AT&T or whatever. Um, MMS is the other age-old protocol, um, multimedia messaging. So that's when we got the ability to send pictures. And remember when text messages were like unlimited to 100 a month? Oh, sure, sure. And then you got like 25 MMS messages for free a month? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And then And then it was like, well... We'll combine them. And that was a big deal. Like carriers allowed people to just let you do both MMS and SMS. And you could do like a thousand a month. And then it was 5,000 a month. And then you were like the baller if you had the unlimited plan. Oh, sure, sure. If things have changed. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> common. I, I mean, I adopted this. I adopted cell phones pretty late because. Because I, I I was I was in high school when people started getting when cell phones started to become ubiquitous. But I was like, hey, you know, I'm not a well, I'm not a doctor or a you drug dealer. You don't need to get a hold of me right away. You graduated high school like what? 2001? 99. 99. Okay, so I graduated 2005. Okay, and there was a big difference in, in oh hey yeah in those in really that six big years, difference right? You're old. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, <clears throat> There was definitely students in my high school who had phones, but it was not common. Right. It was, it, and I had a phone for my job. And anyway, there was the the text thing was so cool to be able to to do this back in like two thousand one, two thousand two, and then finally MMS became a thing. So uh, Apple really revolutionized things with iMessage. What happened was RCS, which is a which is another like MMS or. SMS. It's mm -hmm. just another method to send data sure. to your carrier. That's all it is. It's just like level three. Some people call it advanced messaging. It's been around for over a decade. And it was very close to the same time Apple announced iMessage that RCS became an adopted standard by every major carrier. And immediately Apple started receiving pressure from the public. Hey, can you just incorporate RCS? You know, everybody else who's using it. And keep in mind, it wasn't just at this time, it wasn't just Android or iPhone, and it technically isn't still, but Windows Phone still had 
a large percentage of the market. Sure. The HTC Tilt was a really popular phone at the time. Palm was still a popular phone at the time. Blackberries were still popular. They had their own service and protocol at the time. And uh, when iMessage came out, it was so much better than every other messaging format that it was just assumed Apple had this like better way to send messages uh, through the carrier. And that's just not what it is. It's a completely different format that goes directly through Apple and it's encrypted and it's private. And that's why so many Apple users tout how great it is. It's true, it's really good. It works great, it's seamless. You can send huge video files, they come through at full size. Um, <clears throat> so I had a buddy of mine who was a really early adopter of the Android format mm -hmm. on phones and things like that. and. He used to preach the evangel of, of Android phones and the like the swipe typing and all of that. Yeah. And he was really hung up on these RCS messages. And I've been irritated with him lately because I've got this group chat with him and another one of our friends where we coordinate this game that we're going to be playing. And I've got like seven different chat histories with these people because they just keep he just keeps creating new chats to get us so that we're in a chat that's using the protocol that he's trying to use. And he just did it again recently. And I was super irritated. And he was, he was telling me, well, we need to do this so that we're all on RCS. And yeah. I'm like, what's, I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. I don't care. What does that have to do with us and playing our game? And so I, I spent a lot of time looking it up. But I still can't figure out like how RCS benefits me. Right. What what is why do we so, care about it? What a great great question. So it stands for Rich Communication Service. Um, otherwise, just we would call it advanced messaging. Um, RCS opens the doors for, and it did ten years ago, for um, anybody with a cell phone. Now Apple included, coming very soon, supposedly within this next couple of weeks. It's been announced, so they're usually pretty quick to roll it out. You can send a text message that's not through iMessage. It's not using a special app like WhatsApp or something like that. Right, Just right. open up the Messages app on your Android or your iPhone, and you send a text, if you will, that has a picture. Well, I'm sure that you have been the recipient of using an Android device of a video sent by an iPhone user that looks like it was recorded. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Right. It looks like it was recorded on like a 1997 digital camera with the crappiest resolution it's all pixelated it compresses the video down to this tiny file and that's because historically uh apple sending an mms is comp has to compress that video down to a, a reasonable size that can be sent over that protocol rcs opens that protocol up to allow much larger file sizes so if i were to send you now as an android user a text message of a picture like we went out and did a company event on mm -hmm. was a saturday so i got a text from angel one of our dispatchers uh he has an iphone he sent me an iMessage text mm -hmm. with a, our group picture mm -hmm. great quality full-size photo it's like a five or six meg file and um that's a big file for a a picture, um, but it's an ex extremely big file for an MMS, which is if he had an Android and he had to MMS me that picture, it would have compressed down to less than a quarter of that size. So I wouldn't get the full quality photo. Now with RCS being an, integrated into iPhone, you can now send me a full quality photo. I can send you a full quality photo and it's just integrated in the messaging platform. And the reason why it's a big deal that's it's like actually making news, it's kind of twofold. One, 
Apple finally caved. They've been getting pressure from the oh, tech yeah. community for for a decade. No, no exaggeration of like, can you please just incorporate RCS? It's so annoying that I'm texting my mom a picture from our, our Christmas gathering and it shows up, you know, in a file size that she could never print out. It's all pixelated and tiny. Yeah, my mom and my wife send me videos of our dogs and I'm like, I I know that there are dogs, but I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, this is like a bit like one every every dog is a pixel, and I'm watching three white pixels bounce around on the screen. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a QuickTime video from 1997 on my right. middle school's <laughs> yeah, apples. Yeah, so thankfully, it sounds like we're getting past this. It sounds like with Apple's integration of RCS, we're going to be able to to have some high quality photos. So number one, again. Apple finally caved. I love that. There are things that Apple has been caving on that are to the benefit of um, society. Do we know why they were holding out for so long? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they won't say this outright, but there was, there was an interview with Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, sure. um, talking to the audience of, of this uh, state. He was on stage and he was taking questions. And one of the audience members asked him why he can't just text his mom a video and have it show up in good quality and his response on stage was buy your mom an iphone yeah and 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 so that's that's their reason that's their take is you know if you want into this walled garden you can you can buy a device and so um i i don't know the reason why they caved necessarily other than i think that they have enough market adoption at this point that it's less relevant for them to um have everything kind of in that walled garden and and probably more important that the user experience is just is as good as it can be now um and i think that that's especially uh the case because of things like they're projected to have 55 percent market share by the beginning of next year that's a really big deal and as a fan of apple products as far as that more or less than they had before more yeah really no no cell phone provider has ever had 50 percent of market share um, since the days of like Nokia. Okay. And so th- this is a really big change that somebody is going to actually, a company, the biggest company in the world is taking over half of, of market share as a fan of Apple products. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I want there to be competition in the market. Sure. I want Android to do better. I want, I want, I would love for windows to release a phone again. That's good. <laughs> I mean, that's probably never going to happen. Uh, I'm not even that huge of a fan of windows in the first place, but I just want there to be, uh, competition in the market and it drives innovation. So, um, thankfully we've got, you know, the EU leading, uh, leading the way as far as creating a path for us to have USB C on our iPhones because they're making it mandatory sure, sure. Um, or, or, you know, privacy laws that they're helping with. Right. So thankfully there's advancements happening because of, of governance, but it's coming from Europe. So it'd be nice if we had some of that here, but really I just, you know, natural innovation happens when there's competition in a market and there's not as much. And the scarier number is, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I want to say, I know for sure it's over 80%. And I want to say it was 87% of all teens who have a phone have an iPhone. Oh, really? 87% of teenagers. That's wild. That's like if you can get them smoking cigarettes <laughs> before they're 18, sure, sure. you've got a customer right. for life. And it's kind of feels that way. It feels icky to me because as much as I'm a fan of their products and I talk them up, I don't like how much market share they have because it just, it will degrade innovation to a degree. There's just less pressure 
on them as a company to compete. Well, and that really kind of surprises me to hear that because it it feels to me like a couple of years after the iPhone initially released, it seemed like everybody had an iPhone. It was sort of like it was sort of like if you had if you had a for real smartphone, it was an, <laughs> it iPhone. Was an iPhone. If you didn't have an iPhone, you were playing Snake. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean that that was the feeling for some time. I actually I bought the very first iPhone in two thousand seven. I think is when it came out, and uh, I returned it three days later. I hated it. And oh really? Yeah, I, I just couldn't stand it. It was, um, it was just so limiting. At the time, I was using a Windows phone as my my other device, and I don't remember the brand of it, but. You could customize things. You could install applications. Uh, you could sideload programs from. There was no app store, oh, um, but you, okay. you could like sideload your own programs from websites and configure it and change things. And you could navigate the directory of like the file structure of the operating system and change files out and change permissions and all kinds of stuff. And um, so anyway, that kind of thing is uh, so uh, you know that was really fun. And I, and I liked that innovation, but the new, the, the original iPhone just didn't have anywhere near that level of customization. Mm-hmm. From what I recall, the very first iPhone, you couldn't change your background. <laughs> you couldn't copy and paste. Um, there was no app store. There was no, th- there was no way to install third party apps. Um, there was, there was a web browser and it was okay. Uh, for at the time it was okay. It was actually the thing that was probably one of the most innovative components of it was that you could do full website browsing on the phone. And that's kind of what led me to try it. Um, but it was just too limited of a device. Then the iPhone 3G came out, which was the next one. It came out the next year uh, with 3G. So we had a little bit better speed and I've had an iPhone ever since. And I've tried other devices. It's just kind of hard to go back to them. So um, anyway, all that said, yeah, just just like what you were saying, once you're used to it, you're locked into that's it. That's really it. So these <clears throat> these 16 to 18 year olds, they're being they're locked into that iOS environment. Yeah, and by the way, hand me downs are a huge part of that 87 percent market oh, share. Sure, sure. Like my son is a great example. Um, I just upgraded the newest iPhone, and he has an iPhone 14. So that's unusual for a child to have that new and valuable of a phone. But it was either that or I sell it, and it was just you know, well, his was all cracked and messed up, and. That wasn't even his fault. Yeah, I'm really resistant to my son having having a phone, and but if he gets one, it'll be his mom's old iPhone. So. Right, and the the thing that's nice about that, and this is where Apple really crushes it, is as a parent, if you want protections on that device, which can access anything, it's really good at that. And it, I'm not saying Android's not. It it is also good. It's not as intuitive. It's just not sure. it, the 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 walled garden that Apple has created is very beautiful and um, there are limitations of that garden but um, I think most people have learned to live within them and uh, anyway I, I love that their garden has opened up a new a new uh, area and that is the uh, that is RCS messaging so I'm excited about it in the in the coming weeks um, we should anticipate that you will get a, an update for your phone as usual, I recommend as a technical professional that you update your devices, especially when they are security updates. Full-fledged operating systems are kind of a different thing. Um, but when it comes to security updates and small patches, I recommend you do them. You could wait a few days. That's not a big deal. But I recommend that you do them. Don't hold off for months. Well, because it's it's always an arms race that's going on. There yeah. are people that are out there that are working on malicious software to take advantage of holes in the security and current operating systems. So when they do these updates, they're patching those holes. If you refuse to do that, then you're sailing around in a ship that's taken in water. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you'll get this uh, RCS um, protocol here soon and be able to text your friends. 
If we're lucky, we'll get it before Thanksgiving. And uh, maybe, maybe you'll be able to send your family members some Thanksgiving photos that are that are full quality. Um, I got an email here from Jennifer says, I, I had heard about this messaging transition you are discussing, but I didn't realize the details. So thank you. Are you saying this is available now? Not yet. They actually haven't given an official date yet. Um, but my expectation based on just knowledge in the industry is that we're a couple of weeks out. Also, will this mean that the iPhone user can send text message to my Android phone with multiple photos and all of the photos will come through clearly instead of fuzzy and low quality? Yes. The one thing that you won't, um, that won't be exactly the same is a couple years back, Apple didn't uh, update in iOS, the, the operating system for your phone, where you could uh, just check like, let's say 10 photos and hit send to another iPhone. And it would put them in this nice little, um, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, like a little album. Like a gallery? Yeah, like a little image gallery. And when you receive it as an iPhone user, you can tap on that image gallery and it gives you this beautiful little view of how to go through the photos. It won't have that, but all 10 photos that you send will arrive and they'll arrive in high quality. So the short answer to your question is yes, the fuzzy photos and, and really poor video quality is, is hopefully going to be a thing of the past in just the coming couple of weeks. Um, on, the, on this note, there's a quick topic I just wanted to bring up. It's kind of a funny, uh, funny example of how much Apple leads innovation. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a YouTuber who I love who just recently did a video um, his his uh, channel is called, it's MKBHD. Marquez Brownlee is the guy who does this. Love his videos, love his perspective and his take on things. And he did a video recently that said, um, the only way to beat an iPhone is to build an iPhone. <laughs> and and it was basically saying, it's it's like impossible to beat them at, at, at this uh, game of making the best device um, because they have some innovation that's just so much better than everybody else. Not all of it, but some. And so a company called Nothing, this is the name of a business, the name of the business is Nothing, and they make a phone called... The Nothing it? Phone. It's called the Nothing Phone, but the newest one is called the Phone 2. Yes, so Phone 2. Nothing Phone 2. It's totally a nerdy way to name your product, and I love it. I'm, all, I'm here for it. Um, one of the things that they touted at the launch of this device, uh, this was just like a week and a half ago, I think, they said, our phone, which is an Android phone, mm -hmm. the company Nothing makes phones that run Android. Mm -hmm. Cool phones, it just look like a Pixel or a Samsung or any other phone, something crazy. It's kind of weird, but yeah. Right, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, the visual is like, you know, they have a design on the back of it, but it's a, you know, a standard phone. It's got a big screen on the front and a back and it's got charging and it's all the same things you'd expect. Yeah, it's a phone. It's a phone. And um, they said, at the launch of, of this phone, we, nothing, the company, will support iMessage with our new phone too. Boom, major headline. What? How the hell did you get access to Apple's garden? What did you do to be capable of sending an iMessage? So the goal here is people flock to buy phone two instead of the new Samsung Galaxy device or the new Pixel whatever, right? Sure. And uh, it would have been a great selling point if it wasn't for how they tried to do it, uh, which was... Well, they're still trying to do it, right? Maybe. Okay. I think it's off the table. That's my prediction. But I'll get to that in a second. The way it worked, first off, is... How would you think that that would work? You would 
probably that they set up some deal with Apple. Yeah, there's really like two ways to do it, which is there's two ways you that you asked, think to you do. You asked it. me about this, and I was like, there's two ways. One is that one is that Apple would. Uh, you've come to an agreement with Apple for them to allow you to use this technology, which doesn't sound possible right. because of the way that they are. They're so they're so restrictive. And the the other option is that they cracked the code and that they've broken in and have somehow been able to do that, which is equally impossible since the federal government has repeatedly asked Apple for encrypted data. And Apple has refused to give it to them, which suggests, one, that Apple really cares about that, and two, that the federal government isn't able to encrypt it, let alone this relatively small-time British phone firm. Very small company, yeah. Um, I mean, in, in regards to phone companies, small. And uh, so they've said, buy our phone, and you can send a text message with a blue bubble to your friend with an iPhone, and when they respond, you'll get a blue bubble back. And when they're typing, Ooh. you'll see the little dots. And when you send text messages with images and stickers and all of these little fun things that Apple has incorporated into iMessage as part of their messaging platform, you'll have all of those features. And that was true. And the way that they actually accomplished this was a server farm of Apple devices. Now, because I've clarified earlier, iMessage is just a protocol. It's not the messages app on your phone. It's a, t it's a way to send a message. MacBooks, iMacs, iPads, these are all devices that are capable of sending iMessages. So what did nothing do? Nothing made a server farm of Apple devices with a bunch of iCloud accounts, and they adhered to Apple's guidelines of having an iMessage account on an Apple device. And so what that means is if you are a person who owns a nothing phone and you send an iMessage to your friend with an iPhone, nothing spins up an account using iCloud in your name and then sends messages through this iCloud account to that user. And you're just looking at kind of this uh, fancy little front end that they've created on the phone. Right. The thing that scares me about that is that when I open my phone and I send a message to somebody with an iPhone... I'm sending that message somewhere. That somewhere first is nothing's server farm. What? So nothing gets to see all of my text messages? Apple still can't. I mean, Apple is the one who's in, you know handling the protocol. Right. But, and they can't even see the messages, but nothing can because they have to move them from my app on my phone, which is not iMessage to their server farm and then to the recipient. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds on, on how this all works, but um, spoiler alert, it didn't. And they pulled it almost immediately. Oh, okay. In fact, in writing this, this topic, I was researching some of the details on how they pulled it off and they announced that they had to pull it. In fact, it wasn't just them. Google pulled the iMessage application from their phones it was available in the Google Play Store. Oh, they, they just removed it from the they store They stripped altogether. it. Yeah, you can't even get it now. And Google cited the reason for removal as privacy concerns. Duh, because unless you're encrypting the, the conversation from me to this server farm, and then again, Apple is doing the same thing, then the company, nothing, can see all of your private messages. So the question, though, is, is that less secure than 
the messaging system that Android users are using th that allows our phone carriers to be able to see those messages. I think that comes down to a matter of opinion. Who do you care about seeing your text messages more? A private company, nothing, or a phone carrier? I don't really feel good about either of those options. Sure. Um, I guess... To some degree, I might prefer my phone carrier because they're not notorious for leaking text messages. Sure. There's, there's not, you know, uh, a, a ton of articles about uh, AT&T having leaked a bunch of messages out to people. Well, and it also seems to me like it's probably easier for someone to break into nothing. That's that stupid I know, sounding right? sentence. Yeah. It's probably the easier company. for somebody to break into nothing than it is for them to break into Verizon Agreed. or AT&T or T-Mobile or whatever. Presumably. So um, anyway, sorry, sorry for the bad news, uh, but if you go out and buy a phone too from the company, nothing. It's not going to have iMessage. Maybe they get that back online at some point, but for now it's off and I don't have high expectations. So maybe don't buy nothing. I wouldn't buy nothing. The phones are cool, by the way. Like the Nothing phone, if you just review the Nothing phone and compare it to other Android devices, I'm a fan. And I love the CEO of that company. The guy sits down with like small media organizations and talks about their decisions and they're super transparent. They talk about exactly what components cost and why they used a certain manufacturer. They talk about where their profit comes from and, and how, cool. how, why they're trying to drive certain innovations and not others and areas that they don't want to bother trying to compete with Apple and areas that they will. They admit that their cameras aren't as good. It's a very humbling experience watching this guy um, talk about his business and their phones and their devices. It really makes me like if I was looking for an Android device, it would really make me want to go that direction just because I like the way that they've put things together. But I don't necessarily like the misleading iMessage thing. It's not like they tried to hide it. They were transparent about how they did it. But it, it misleads the average consumer sure. into what privacy you're getting. So anyway, sorry for the bad news for anybody who's excited by the phone, too. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Jennifer responded to the, my, my comment on her email and says, Woohoo, lots of lots of capitals and exclamation points and thank you. Yeah, I am also looking forward to sending full quality photographs uh, over RCS. Um, so the big news over the over the last uh, four days really was uh, Sam Altman, who is the CEO of OpenAI, the company who makes chat GPT. Uh, was ousted by his board of executives. Yeah, he's the he's the opposite of transparent. <laughs> well, <laughs> according to them, yeah, I don't know that that's true. They actually, oh, you know what? Let me bring it up real quick. Um, I was reading it earlier. They they what happened was he was ousted, and then they did a uh, a blog post on their website. Um, it says. Let's see. Mr. Altman's departure follows a deliberative review process by the board, which concluded that he was not consistently candid in his communication with the board, hindering its ability to exercise its responsibilities. The board no longer has confidence in his ability to continue leading open AI. And the statement goes on to further what they're going to be doing and that they have an interim CEO and how they're going to be handling this. How about they announced like three different interim CEOs? There was an interim CEO and then there was a second that was expected to fill the position for some time. He was very quickly replaced by another person. And 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 actually the news of this has been evolving so rapidly that part of it I'm I'm not quite bothering to keep track of, which which is like what is OpenAI doing actively? I'm very interested in what they're doing, um, but there's some bigger picture items here. One of them is that as of uh, last night, when I was, I was kind of getting updated on this, 
I, I read that <clears throat> there are 770 employees in the company OpenAI who manages ChatGPT. To give you a picture of this, um, these 770 employees, they obviously, like any business, they vary in um, their roles. There are administrative roles, there are janitors, there are data analysts, there are scientists, there are linguists. There's a lot of um, high-level professionals in this business. And there are also the low man on the totem pole. Um, like any other business of its size, it's a good size company. 770 employees isn't small, but it's not massive. And out of that 770, 720 plus have signed an open letter saying that unless Sam Altman gets reinstated as CEO, they're out. How many people was that again? Out of 770, 720 plus. That's a high percentage. So as a daily user of ChatGPT myself, I'm bummed because I don't think that that open letter is BS. I'm fairly confident that the staff intends to stand behind their threat, which is to leave the business if he doesn't get back in. Well, and my understanding is that he he's already been offered a position at Microsoft. Right. And that a lot of those people are also being offered positions at Microsoft. Pretty much all of them will be. Um, Satya Nadella, Nadella is the CEO of Microsoft. He is also the lead investor. Microsoft mm -hmm. is the lead investor in OpenAI. They own right. over 30% of that of a company. kind of strange revolving door here. R right. So what happens? Friday, the board of OpenAI, which, by the way, was only three people. It's not a huge board. Mm. Um, it was three people that ousted the CEO. And, and just to be clear, no one knows why. The thing that I just read you is the only description that has been given to anybody, including the guy who got fired, the CEO. No one, inc including investors, major investors like the CEO of Microsoft, know the real reason why he was let go. What information could he have been withholding that would have been so critical that it was worthy of him being ousted as the, the guy who has started this company and has been running it since, since its beginning? Now, one of the other guys on the board, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. I can't remember it. He's one of the lead scientists mm -hmm. for, for uh, language learning models and AI. There was speculation that I'm inclined not to believe, but it's like the closest thing that has come out to maybe truthful that um, Sam Altman, the CEO previously, uh, was ignoring advice to slow down the rapid development of AI. And I'm not taking this incredibly serious because the theory was he's moving so rapidly and without caution that AI could become the thing we're all afraid of. The thing that I'm afraid of. The thing that you're afraid of. Yeah, the thing that... I mean, I have fear of it. Yeah, I... I just yeah. don't think that we're there. I think we're a long ways. I've been saying that since we started talking about this now maybe a year ago. I think we're a ways away. I'm, well, but Altman himself was, I think it was in March or May or one of those months yeah. that uh, was saying, was calling on the government to regulate AI because it's moving so fast. Right. Yeah. Which is a really I mean, strange thing for the guy who runs the most used AI to say, but mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there was a there was another comment that was made recently from re- multiple representatives of OpenAI, which is they've admitted that they're working on GPT five right now. Chat GPT is using version GPT four. Version three point five to version four was this pretty large leap in technological capability um, and how how it's used and. If GPT-5 is what is to be expected, uh, it will be another very large leap. There's um, speculation that it is on the precipice of being self-aware. Not sentient, but close. And it, it, to the degree that we could, we need to be cautious about what its capabilities are of it, of it running wild to some degree, you know, um, giving it the task and letting it go too far uh, with how, how it proceeds through that task. So far, ChatGPT, the company OpenAI, has done a phenomenal job of making sure that nothing scary has happened. But I think that the reality behind that is just because there's just nothing scary it can do yet. It's a cool product. And well, it can I do... already think that what people are using it for is scary. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, people can use it for malicious functions now that are scary. Most of my conversations with ChatGPT are arguments about the dangers of ChatGPT. <laughs> and it just regularly tells me, you know, I'm not dangerous. It's up to human beings to use me responsibly. Right. And if I'm used responsibly, then I don't pose a danger. But I've heard about humans. Yeah. And they don't use new tools responsibly. Yeah, like the first time we learned how to split an atom, we... Blew a bunch of people up with it. Right. Yeah, that's the first thing that we did. Yeah, we were like, oh, you know what? We're winning this war in Germany but we got to drop this thing, you know, and, uh, and I'm not, you know, take, take the politics out of it. I think that, um, the Opp- Oppenheimer was a great movie, by the way. If yeah. I mean, we're, it. we're aware we're being reductive you are, for, for sure, for sure. But, um, I, I think that I'm, I'm a proponent of advancing technology as rapidly as possible for the betterment of mankind. That's my position. Sure. I, I, uh, but every technology, I almost without exception, has potential negative side effects. Yeah. And the more advanced the technology, in many cases, the more significant the negative side effect. And so the, the, the point of AI being this scary monster, I think we're just not there. Um, there's, nothing, there's nothing to demonstrate that. There's been no, no evidence to demonstrate that current versions of AI can or will run rampant. They do well, some pretty wild stuff. Right. But you're talking specifically about like whether or not they're going to gain access to nuclear codes and launch missiles and all that Skynet the most stuff. But but there's also the significant risk of people using it as a shortcut so that their brains don't have to do anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean we've got we've uh, got lawyers yeah. being disbarred because they're just using chat GP to generate precedents for them, some of which aren't real right right yeah i mean um one of the other things we had talked about was you know even people using things like emojis to shortcut conversations and how the um how the art art form of of writing is becoming lost on us as a society right i've been perpetually irritated that with all of these advancements and messaging that we've been talking about none of them have ever bothered to implement italics Right, well, yeah, which our, would be our, so much easier to do than thirty-seven thousand different emoji. Yeah, it's funny we were we were saying that how RCS has the capacity 
to italicize text, which we would use to emphasize. But something. none of the carriers support it. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, AT&T, Verizon, all them, they don't support the code necessary for you to italicize text, but they'll give you, what, how many emojis now? It's, it's, it's thousands. Yeah, it is absolutely thousands upon thousands that are built into the... It's the. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I think it's that kind of thing that that movie Idiocracy feels like such a relevant future because we're like giving access to people or giving tools to people that give them access to simplifying things and and kind of removing their access to the things that would be potentially beneficial. Uh, that's a whole nother thing. Um, without getting too far off topic, uh, this whole Sam Altman thing. There's a couple of other points I wanted to make on this. So to give you the timeline, he's ousted Friday. He um, he announces that he was ousted. The board <laughs> announces that he was ousted. And then on, I believe it was the next day, Saturday. If not, then it was Sunday, but I'm pretty certain it was Saturday. One of the three board members um, s- sort of regretted his decision publicly. Okay. And said that he was uh, made a mistake and that he will do what the staff of the business is asking which is to resign as a member of the board and to reinstate Sam Altman as CEO. And that is the, by the way, that is the ask of these 720 plus people is the entire board needs to resign immediately and reinstate Sam Altman as CEO and let him appoint a new board because you guys are idiots and, and you're incapable of leadership as demonstrated by getting rid of the guy who has successfully run this company. And investors would agree. Um, so Microsoft, uh, Satya Nandela, the, the the CEO of Microsoft, took quick advantage of this and reached out to Sam Altman, pissed, by the way, that he wasn't involved in this decision to oust this board member, even though he's the majority shareholder in the business. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Outside of the, you know, lo- yeah, to, to internal fire, investors. To f- You'd think that if you own a significant portion of a company, you'd be notified if the leader of that company were being fired. Or at least have a say. Right. right. As, as a 30% stakeholder. Yeah. Um, so th- what happened next was uh, the CEO of Microsoft reaches out to Sam Altman and says, well, we got a home for you here. And bear in mind, Microsoft has been wanting the majority stake in OpenAI since its inception. I sure. mean, since it, 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 its initial investment, it's wanted a bigger chunk of that. Microsoft pie. has a tendency to want controlling interests in right. em- emerging technical innovators. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they buy plenty of companies. <clears throat> so my understanding is that there has not been an official agreement from Sam Altman to say yes to Microsoft yet because th- there was an an open invitation from the board to invite him back into the building to have a discussion about putting him back in place. And instead they put a different CEO in place that same day. So they led him to believe he was going to be coming back, that they were going to solve this mistake and then put somebody else in his place and said, see you later. And then that's when the staff has basically doubled down to say it was originally like, I think 300 people signed this letter and then 500. And then when somebody else took his place, um, it's just a crazy high percentage of the employees. That's like 95% of staff. Yeah. So um, now we're kind of in this weird spot where the staff is going to need to give a deadline to the board to execute the, what they're asking for or they're going to leave. And you better believe Microsoft is going to say gladly 
700 employees, that's like a drop in the bucket for them. That means nothing. Whatever whatever amount of money all of them were making from OpenAI is zero in comparison to what the amount of money is that Microsoft has to spend on Well, this. and hiring all of them is probably cheaper than buying the rest of OpenAI. Right. So. Yeah, true. That, very true. Yeah, they just start. Now, the downside is they start development over, and OpenAI will likely crash. But there's been other weird developments. Like one of the board members of OpenAI is also the CEO of Quora, which is another online platform where you can post questions and get answers. And they have an embedded AI tool. Talk about like a little bit of a conflict of interest. One of the board members of OpenAI owns another company, sorry, is the CEO of another company that has an AI tool. Well, but but also... But also, Quora is being crawled by OpenAI. Right. There's, so it, it, that's a big, like, it's a weird This circle. is going to be a movie. Like, at some point, this is going to make a pretty epic Silicon Valley movie. Um, it is just a, a crazy, crazy turn of events over the last 48 hours, 72 hours. And um, we're going to see where it goes. Hopefully, by next week, things will have settled out to de- determine some answers. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like more information about what happened there. If 95% of the staff of OpenAI leave, we can kiss ChatGPT goodbye for yeah. probably oh. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wild about it being replaced by. I'm not wild about it being replaced by all of the same people for in under a hundred percent of the control of Microsoft. Right, yeah. they're, they're not exactly. That's one of the cool things the about most free and open. Right. About, it's one of the cool things about OpenAI as it is is that it's a company that is as small as it is and leading innovation in such a cool way. They're, they broke crazy records. They were the first company to hit a million users as fast as they did. Uh, if you looked at, if you compared it to Facebook or, or, or Twitch or any of these other major online platforms, none of them have hit a million users anywhere near as fast as OpenAI did. Sure. And um, it's a cr- crazy good product that's being used by a lot of people in ways that they never expected. And if it all falls under the ownership of Microsoft, it will be treated like Apple and Microsoft treat products, which is we'll give you what you need, not what you want. And, and you know, it's it's been great with, with OpenAI as a developer. We have the ability to just use it in these crazy, unique, innovative ways. And they're adding new stuff constantly for to feed our appetite of development. And um, I'm worried that that will go away. So we'll see what happens. Um, but big drama in the in the tech in the tech world over the last, you know, week. So, um, a couple other things I wanted to go over today was saving you guys, uh, some money on those black Friday deals. And, uh, one of the biggest ones is that, um, obviously a large percentage of our population purchases gifts on Amazon and, uh, black Friday is going to be a big day for all of you guys. And I would like you to save some money and not get ripped off. And I have some advice. These are very, very simple things. Um, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about ways to save money and just a basic format of, um, getting a good deal. Then we're going to talk about not getting not only ripped off as far as value but not getting stolen from Um, tis the season to be scammed and it is uh, very prevalent there was a report I read yesterday that uh, it was actually the AARP put this out a couple years back it was 2021 said that um, over 75% of Americans were scammed in some way during the holidays so the high probability that you're going to be a target of a scam maybe not necessarily a victim, but high probability you will be targeted for a scam in some capacity this holiday season. 
So let's start with uh, something I can do to hopefully save you a little bit of money. I'm gonna open up on my screen here. I've got a website that I wanted to show everybody called uh, Camel Camel Camel. And actually, let me, let me, yeah, you know what, I'll just leave it here. So uh, Camel 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 um, is, a, is a site that has the ability to scour old pricing for Amazon products. And, and that's just, and that's just camel, just like it sounds, just the animal, camel, 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 if I, if I worked on my enunciation, I could probably bust that out really fast. Camel, 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 Um, it's a cool website. I've been using it for a while and, uh, I, I was really curious about how, um, it had evolved. It's, it's improved a little bit in this last year. I haven't used it since last black Friday. Um, but one of the biggest scams that we see yeah, I'm going to call it a scam because I, f I feel like that's what it is, is um, companies that are selling products on Amazon, they list their product for, let's say, 100 bucks when it goes up. Say a year ago, you, right. you were selling a product. And then um, they bump it up to 130 Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. In September and November. And then Black Friday comes along and they drop it back down to 105 higher than the original listing price but it looks like there's a big discount it's 30 percent off right so how do you know if you're actually getting a good deal that's where this website comes in um there's others like it it's just the one that i found was one of the easiest um to to operate it was it is smooth. pretty simple to use so what you do is you go to amazon you find the product you're looking for today i'm going to show you three products that i found that are all currently on black friday sales and they vary in um, their value so one of the first ones, of course, because of the type of things I look at on Amazon, I'm looking at mostly like computer stuff here. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm looking at a case for a computer that's being sold for $79.98 on Amazon. And as I scroll, I, I put that, I take the Amazon URL, I just copy the top of the URL bar and I put it right here in the find Amazon products button on Camel Camel Camel's website. And I hit enter and then it loads up this product and it says, okay, this Corsair computer tower 80 bucks, 79.98. Let's scroll down and see the history. Well, I can see that the first recorded value of this was $79.98 when it was launched in October of 2020 or 2020. So October 2020, this product was $79.98. Since that time, it went up to 95 and then it even peaked at 105 consistently for a while. It even was at 108 for a little while. And when was that? That was the very peak was October of 22. So just about a year ago. Okay. And it's been bouncing between $95 and 105 consistently for basically the last almost two years. Now... Today, it's $79.98, which means it's just back to its original price. But they didn't just jump that price up. It's been up there for a long time It's now. been up there since, I mean, it started at this higher price um, at $95 in January of 2021. Right. So for almost three years, it's been a $95 or higher case. And it's had some sales, a couple dips, but... As of this month, it is now back to its original price for the first time in years. So I would assess that this is a good value. It's not an amazing value. It's not the it's not the cheapest it's ever been, but it's at the lowest price, you know, that matching with its original launch. Yeah, price. you haven't seen this object at this price for quite right. some time. So 
the, why is this helpful um, in this use case? It's just establishing that I'm not getting screwed. This wasn't a product that was selling for less a week ago and now is selling for more at, with like this little bit of a spike in between to make it look like it's a discount. So this is a good example of a, of, of a product where it can actually get some value. So I'll move on to one that's a little less value. This is a, a keyboard for a computer, um, $140, which I know to anybody who doesn't PC game and isn't super into PCs, why in the world would you pay $140 for a thing you can type on that you can buy at any store for 15, 20 bucks? It makes the clickety clicks. It makes the clickety clicks. Do it also have them colors? It's also got all the colors. Ooh. It's got the rainbow. It's got the ergonomic wrist rest. So it looks like a unicorn threw up on your keyboard. Oh, and yeah. it's really noisy. Yeah, and it's noisy. <laughs> and it's noisy. God, that, that's so good. Uh, I, I like the sound those keyboards make as much as the next guy. Um, the next guy being you. Yeah, that be, yeah. So I'm literally using. I'm almost positive that the keyboard I have at my desk right now is exactly the same one I'm showing. If not, it's just a model off. Um, but gaming keyboards have a reason they have a purpose. Without going into that, this is a $140 keyboard. It's on sale as a Black Friday deal through Amazon. And as I scroll down and look at its price history, I'll see that it launched at about 200 bucks, $199. And that was in October of 2021. So about two years ago, this product launched for $200. It's on sale today for 140. Not bad. It's come down in price. However, in June, July, and uh, looks like just before August this year, maybe a little bit into August, it was down to 118 dollars. Oh, so it wasn't consistently there, but for quite some time, it was below uh, 140. So this is a, an example of a product where looking at the price history, I can see it's a good deal-ish. It's better than where it was over this last three months where, again, they spike the value for a few months and then just bring it back down. So my guess is that this $140 keyboard, which has sold at a low of 118 is going to drop back down to 120 probably right after the holidays. Sure. So if this is one of those things you're thinking about getting for yourself, this is one I'd recommend waiting on. So this is the type of thing that this website is good for. And the last one I'll show you is an example of a pretty bad uh, value. So there's this Canon printer, a laser printer. It's 150 bucks on Amazon. It's a Black Friday deal. And this one has a lot of history going all the way back to October of 2012 on Amazon's website. So you can see the products that have been around for a long time. This website's been recording a ton of history. Um, now, I will say that this one is a little bit unique because it's been around for so long mm -hmm. and it is typical for the cost of products to increase over time as manufacturing costs increase. Its original launch price looks like it was 150. It's that is the um that's the price today is back to the original launch price from 10 years ago. So, surface level, not bad, but it was trending at 130 bucks for uh 8 years. And then October of 2021, it went up a little bit. And then finally, it's at $200 um, for like the last, let's say, eight months or so. 
So 50 bucks less than where it's been for the last eight months, not bad, but historically not a really great value. In fact, it was even lower in July of this year. It was down to like 135 bucks. So um, I'm not going to go through these graphs in much more detail than that, but the basics are you can see very quickly with these trend lines what a good value is and what it isn't. Well, and this is super useful if you're looking to buy something for yourself because we get this pressure to, you know, we, we feel this pressure to buy things when they're on sale right? so that we can save ourselves money. And in these situations, we can use this tool to check to see whether or not this is going to save us money, whether or not we should feel any pressure at all to buy this object now, if now is not the time that we need it. But then also, if, if you are buying presents for people, oftentimes the presents that you're buying are for objects of interest to the recipient and not necessarily to you. So you don't really know how much these things usually go for or whether or not it's a good deal. And, and this will let you know right. because, because it's doing the work for you to let you know what the market trend has been for this object that you wouldn't otherwise know anything about. And the biggest value here, again, just to reiterate in this website, again, camelcamelcamel.com. Um, and there's others like it. It's just the one that I found is easy. Uh, the biggest value here is just, are you getting a good deal? And sometimes you don't care. And that's, that's fine. Maybe you're getting close to a good deal and it's just, it's at a price that you can afford right now. And that makes sense. I just want to make sure that you guys aren't getting screwed by seeing that price increase, mm -hmm. which is so common. I, I picked, by the way, three very popular products to be somewhat relatable to a large audience, but there are many products from smaller sellers on Amazon where these trend lines are far more scary, where you're seeing like it sold for $9 and then it sold for 20 right before November, and then it goes back down to 14 for the quote unquote Black Friday sale, and then Black Friday is over and it drops back down to nine bucks. So those are the kinds of things you wanna look out for in these trend lines, uh, very easy to identify. Uh, another uh, tool, you probably heard about this from any online guy, girl that you've ever followed, YouTuber, a lot of people talk about this company, but it is good, it's called Honey. Um, it's a plugin you can put in your Chrome browser. It's a little obnoxious, I'm not a huge fan of its interface, but when you're holiday shopping, I would suggest Go to, go to, you can just Google Honey Chrome plugin. If you're using Chrome, it's the easiest way to get it on um, is add the little plugin to Chrome or Honey Chrome extension. Sorry, that's even, even more direct. Uh, Honey Chrome extension. And then uh, when you go to a website like Amazon or Best Buy or whatever, and you're looking at a product, it'll give you a quick comparison of other websites selling that same product at possibly a lower rate. Um, and it is often going to save you money. I would just personally, Throw it on when you're doing your holiday shopping, and then you can just right-click on that plugin when you're all done and disable it, which is what I recommend. I don't want you guys just having a bunch of junky plugins sitting there all the time. Um, they slow your computer down. They slow down your browsing experience. They're, they're, it can be a little naggy, but if you are really like you're on a budget and you're trying to find the best possible value, that, that plugin uh, or extension for Chrome called Honey is a pretty good one. So and not a scam and not and not a scam. So <laughs> there's so many of those extensions that promise something that promise something good, but they have they have to access your web page data and your traffic to be able to provide you with that service. And then you don't know what they do with that information. Right. Um, so it's important when you're installing extensions into your browser that you know who it's by and that right. it's something that you can. Trust. And Honey is a reputable company. They've been around for a while and they've been reviewed by many technical experts to be you know safe enough to put in your browser again my recommendation temporarily 
Um, so last thing is I, I just want to talk about some of the red flags of, of scams to look out for. Holiday scams are a big deal. You guys are about to go do Black Friday shopping and you're going to look online and you're going to see stuff on social media to get deals. And I just want to, I want to power through some of these things to look out for. Um, and I'll just start with this. This is where I, this is the, the the overall thought of this entire topic is if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we are as consumers taken advantage most at this time of year by deals that look too good to be true. Well, and especially because we're buying things for other people that we're not familiar with. So right. we don't know what those prices ought to be. And if it's a fake product, we don't necessarily know how to identify it. I saw um, on Facebook two days ago <clears throat> an ad for a Nespresso machine. Mm-hmm. One of those like little, uh, it's like a Keurig, but different brand Nespresso. They make like little espressos, cool little machines. And it was like listed at $30. And I was like, what? I, because I'd been considering getting one of those for a while. And I was like, 30 bucks. I wonder if maybe this is just like some Chinese knockoff or whatever. And the brand that it was listed at was a brand that sells on Amazon and in Target and stores for like 150 bucks. Like I can't find a model on their website that's cheaper than that. And it looks a lot like their base level product. So I, I clicked on the ad, I go to the website and there as a technician, so many red flags, like left and right, everywhere I look, there's ads on the website that sells products for other companies huge red flag. If the if the company's already selling products on their website, they don't need ads right. on their website. Right. The 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 business is you buying from them, right. not them ad- selling your information to somebody like else. Like if I go to Best Buy's website, it wouldn't be unusual for me to see an ad for a product that they sell. Right, but you wouldn't see an ad for Target. Exactly, or I wouldn't see an ad for YouTube on their website, <laughs> right. right? So these are things that they're selling ad space on their website as a way to make additional money. So ads on websites for other companies are generally a pretty easy indicator. The other thing was... Um, Things like product descriptions were, are, are weird, sometimes off. They're formatted strange. Um, and this is where it's valuable to be somebody who took and paid attention to your language arts courses because you can identify, like, that's not where a bullet point goes. That's not formatted correctly. And generally speaking, people who are trying to sell a product of some value, $150, $200 product, are going to format their product descriptions well. And if you see a really poorly formatted description with you know, bad writing and, and bad structure. It's not to say that it's fake, but it, there's, that's a red, that's another red flag is it should be well presented. Yeah. It's, it usually suggests that it's being brought to you by a person for whom your language is not a language in which they are fluent. Yeah. And, and if, and that's not to say that people that don't speak your language fluently are bad people or <laughs> yeah, stupid sure. people, but, but if they're trying to sell to you, then they would be, and they're a legitimate company selling a quality product, ostensibly they would be investing in somebody who can communicate with you well. Yeah, a great example of that is uh, one of the world's largest drone maker for consumers is a company called DJI, which is a Chinese company. In mm-hmm. fact, when you buy their products, a lot of times they their default language is, is Chinese. Um, but the this company, just to kind of give you an idea of scale, they are the leader in the market for buying or for, for drones that are even used in um, some 
some minimal amount, military application, heavily used by police departments and fire departments, Mm -hmm. um, people that are scanning forests for telemetry. They have crazy cool technology. Um, But their their marketing is primarily in Chinese, and then they have an American division, an American arm of their company, which translates it all properly to English, and (laughs) and their marketing material looks phenomenal in America. I'm sure it looks even better in China, but it looks perfect. It's really well done. So even if it is a company that does mass produce products in another country, whether that's China or whatever, um, if they are selling products in mass in America, you should still anticipate that there's good description. So again, another red flag to look out for. One of the other ones that's really obvious is the way that you pay online. Mm. If a company is asking you to do something like, um, pay with Alipay or something you've never heard of before and you're putting your credit card number in there. If it's unfamiliar, it's not to say that it's a scam, but these smaller businesses that are less um, less well-known for processing credit cards are much more likely to allow businesses to commit crimes like scams because they need the business Right. right. So there's this credit card processor that runs through some, you know, black hat website or just actually, let's just say it's a small credit card processor, small company just getting their feet off the ground. They're looking for clients. And there's uh, I'm a guy who made a whole scam website where I'm just trying to sell products for the for the Black Friday weekend. And I I put a bunch of products up and I, I collect a bunch of money and I don't ship anything out and I keep all that money. Well, the only company willing to let me run that many transactions out of the gate without like having verified myself as a legitimate business is a credit card processor that doesn't have a lot of the securities we're looking for. So again, just to kind of wrap that up real quick, if you're processing your credit card and it's like your payment is going to be run through blah, blah, blah company. And you've never heard of that before. It's not to say for sure it's a scam, but it's just another one of those red flags to look out for large legitimate companies. Large and legitimate companies will make it easy for them to take your money. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to jump through hoops for somebody to take your money. Oh, yeah. And then that that goes to another scam um, is if any company or individual ever asks you to pay for their product or their service by using gift cards, Visa Mm. gift cards, or anything other than a standard payment method, which is a credit card, really is it at this time. Maybe PayPal, maybe PayPal, really credit card. If it's a legitimate business, they take a credit card. You can do a chargeback through PayPal, so it shouldn't be... For the most part. Now, if you do, if they say something like, oh, but when you're paying, make sure you say that this is for friends or family because they'll charge a fee. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. I don't want to pay the fee. That's not even how that works. They kind of trick you with their wording. So generally speaking... Use your credit card. And and you have credit card protections through your credit card company, right? Which is why a lot of scammers don't want you to pay with that because they'll you can initiate a chargeback and get your money back. In most cases, not all, but in most. And uh, so if they don't have that, again, another red flag, something to look out for. Um, other ones that are really popular beyond the digital realm is you're going to the grocery store and there's people standing out front. Um, sometimes it's really obvious. They're just asking for money. Like, hey, I need some help, right? Okay, that's fine. That's one thing. You can make your decision if you want to contribute to that or not. Another one is the scams that go on um, outside of gas stations and grocery stores and things like that. 
um, I, I need to go to this store, but they won't take a hundred. Do you have change? So first off, that's a huge concern because somebody's asking you to take cash out of your pocket in public. Mm-hmm. Um, chances are you're not really in a protected area. Uh, but let's say that um, you do have 520s and you're going to break 100. It's probably a fake 100. It could be real. And I hate to say just don't trust people in mass. But this is a really common scam. Very common. It, it, I mean, you could probably drive to 10 gas stations right now and find somebody outside of one of them attempting a scam of some kind. And the change scam is one of them. There's another one with like... And it's so old. Yeah, it, it is old. I mean, there's there's other ones now. That you're, I'm, I'm starting to see people write their Venmo address on their car, like on the back window of their car. And it's like, Venmo me money. I just got married. Venmo me money. It's my 21st birthday. Venmo me money. I'm celebrating my divorce. Whatever it is. And what's happened is there was a person who legitimately had this great idea of like, hey, I could probably get a bunch of people to send me some money real quick if I just write down this thing I just did. And then, of course, it got copied by a bunch of scam artists that just drive around with like this old, faded, six month old writing on their window about it being their birthday and you can send them some money. Um, so, I, again, I, I feel bad saying this, but it's just, I don't trust people because the scams are so prevalent so don't do that don't yeah it sucks because i i want to tell people be good to others well especially yeah yeah this is the time of year to to especially be kind to people um you know depending on depending on how you celebrate the holidays and and also you know with it being cold outside you know you want to help people it's just so easy to be abused and uh yeah so another one um that that's really common right now and grocery stores are finally starting to get the hang of this uh at least bigger ones big chains target stuff like that um there's a a common scam i've talked about this before where a person replaces or or covers up the barcode of the back of a gift card at a store so um just to kind of give you a basic idea of of the the way the scam works without revealing the whole thing um you Go to the the area where in the store there's all of these gift cards. You've got your your restaurants and your movie theaters and your Visa gift cards and you know app stores and stuff like that. And you go grab one and you go take it to the checkout and they go boop with a little scanner and they scan it and they say how much do you want to put on it and you say fifty bucks or your or it's a fifty dollar gift card or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and that little boop that and when you pay that sends. A confirmation to the company who issued the gift card that it has now been funded. Right, because if you just walk out of there with those things, they have no value. Exactly. You have to pay for them. So once it has been funded, then it can be used. Okay. What happens is people cover the barcodes on those on those um, gift cards with their own barcode. And as soon as you pay for it, they're sitting at home waiting for this this barcode that they know to be funded and then they spend the money right away. So you, you buy your, your grandson, the gift card for his Nintendo and you put a hundred bucks on it and he takes it home. You give it to him or you take it home. You give it to him for Christmas. He goes and enter, enters it in. And then, uh, it says the money has already been used. That's the experience that you would have. How do you overcome it? All you got to do is take a very close look at the back of the gift card you're about to purchase. Now, this is why I said grocery stores and, and large uh, box or uh, box stores are, are getting better at preventing this scam, um, mostly by checking themselves. But it is your responsibility as the consumer to flip that thing over and make sure there's not a sticker 
And sometimes they're really well done and they look exactly like the barcode should look. But pay close attention. Look to see if there's a sticker there covering up where the bar, where their barcode is. Just make sure it's not a sticker covering up. Because the, the barcode isn't going to be on a sticker. It's going to be printed with like ink you can feel on the back of the on the back of that card. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, that's generally how it would work. There's usually pretty easy indicators, but um, now you can get such high end printers that look. I mean, they have like the glossy finish, you know, a glossy paper. You can get those for cheap. And print these these barcodes out, legitimate barcodes that you've you know stolen, right. and uh, and put onto your thing. So anyway, um, when you're going to buy gift cards for people this holiday season, make sure that you're checking the back for a sticker that would indicate that somebody covered it with a fake barcode. It's an easy scam to avoid. You know, you mentioned like buying a gift card for your grandson f- for Nintendo, or and it it just made me think of. And I feel like I feel like I have an obligation to let people know. You were also talking about when you see deals that are too good to be true, and you know you're buying things that are uh, that you're not familiar with. I keep seeing. I just keep seeing ads for this company, Timu. It's just oh, yeah. like yeah. constantly mm-hmm. they're I'm, they're they're on social media, they're in Google news feeds, they're all over the place, and they're advertising ridiculous things like a Nintendo Switch for five dollars right. if you sign up. It that's it's that's not what it is. You're not going to get one. It it's well, you'll get something. Yeah, that's true. I've, I it's it's not the thing that's actually in the photograph. There is some very strange, <laughs> weird knockoff electronic that they'll send you, but. You need to be aware uh, when you're seeing those kinds of things. It, it's that's just you're. I'll I'll go ahead and say you're never going to see a significant percentage discount on a on a, a game console or something like that because there's no margin on those. Right to begin with. Yeah, gen- so. generally speaking, you're going to see you know dollars off, not not twenty hundred large percentages on popular items. Um, got an email here from uh, Matthew. One thing to pay attention to when shopping on Amazon is to see who is fulfilling the order. If it says sold and fulfilled by Amazon, then the item is m- for the most part legitimate and not a scam. But if it doesn't say Amazon and it's a third party Chinese sounding name you never heard of, you run the risk of getting scammed because you may get the item, may not get the item that you wanted or, or not even at all. Very, very, very good point, um, which is that Amazon. And they don't have to be Chinese. Yeah, right. I mean, there's plenty of, yeah, not to be, it's just the target, sorry. Um, no, I mean, it's absolutely the case that there are so many, there are so many fake electronics or knockoff mm-hmm. electronics or off-brand or bootleg things that have come because their their copyright and patent laws are are different or have historically been different. So they've been a source for a lot of that stuff. Right. So it's not uncommon for it to be internationally sourced from Asia. Right. Yeah. And and so uh, to, to that point, though, you're buying things on Amazon uh, down usually where you would hit the add to cart button. You'll have this. It'll say product fulfilled by. And if it says fulfilled by Amazon, generally speaking, the thing that you can at least count on there is that if you don't get what you're looking for, you can return it. And you and you and you work with Amazon and Amazon to give them a lot of credit where credit's due. They're a lot like Costco when it comes to their return policy. For the most part, they just take stuff back. My understanding is that they're changing how they process that a little bit, but I, or a lot of it. I just don't know. A whole so lot we, about it. we order, uh, God, I don't even know. Let's just say on average, 10 things a day from Amazon amongst all the shops and everything that we have going to you on. Does. Yeah. Tech to you. And, um, it's very, very rare for us to have any bit of a concern. In fact, I, I just returned some equipment, um, 
maybe a month ago to Amazon that we purchased for tech to you. I ended up, um, I think I didn't need it. And I, I, I took it to UPS and I, I did the thing where I printed out the label. I put it on the box. I took it to UPS and I was like, Hey, I don't need a receipt. You know, you just take it. It was already all packaged up. I said, great. Okay. Have a good day. And then a couple of weeks goes by and our purchase ordering guy emails me and he says like, Hey, Amazon said that they still haven't gotten this. And I was like, well, that's weird. Cause I know, you know, I, t- I took that to the store and he said, okay, I'll, I'll let them know what happened they give us our money back. And I just said, okay, no worries. And I think a lot of that has to do with the volume that we order, right? We're tr- I guess you could say a trusted account. We're not trying to scam Amazon. Right. Um, and and we've as been you- ru- We've been running the long con. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to save $30 on this product <laughs> yeah. after spending 20000 Yeah, we got that monitor for free. <laughs> yeah, so um, obviously the longer you have your account, the more likely they are to help you too. Uh, but the fulfilled thing, um, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Matthew, because- um, that is a that is a very interesting scam that can happen. It's 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 important to note that Amazon does sell products direct to consumer. They have huge warehouses filled with stuff. They have um, TVs and game consoles and beauty products and, and and everything you can imagine. It's every freaking store wrapped into one of these major warehouses. But they're also a a route for other companies to sell their products. So I, Ian, could go on Amazon and say, hey, I want to sell uh, these these bottles out of my, my office. And um, and then Amazon says, great, no problem. Let's set, let's set you up. Let's set you up with an account. How do you want to ship things? What's your return policy going to be? Who are you? And, uh, and then people find my bottles on Amazon and then they, they pay me. And then I just don't ship them. And I have all this money. <laughs> right. Now, Amazon is big enough that it's pretty hard to steal from them, but it does absolutely happen. So looking at the fulfilled buy is a good, good uh, indicator. Even if you're like, let's say, for example, you're buying a Keurig, a little coffee maker that's going to be your gift this year. Uh, if it says fulfilled by Amazon, great, you're good to go. If it says fulfilled by Keurig, that's also a pretty good sign. That just means that Keurig is doing the delivery themselves. They're routing outside of Amazon. Now, it does mean that if you have a problem, you have to deal with Keurig directly instead of dealing with Amazon, who is traditionally a little easier to work with. Um, So just look out for, like, like what was said, those unusual names. If you're if you're buying a, a PlayStation, and um, the seller is in uh, Shenzhen, and you know there's like sim, you know symbols of a different language, you know that's kind of unusual. Or even if you're buying a PS5 and it's Bob from Minnesota, why is right. why is Bob your PlayStation guy? Yeah, like, like, Amazon's got those. Yeah, Best Buy has those. Right, you know you can get those at Target or Walmart or any any place. Don't order it from Bob. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I feel bad for Bob, but um, look, you fool me once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the other, the other thing, and we talk about this often, so you can refer back to to previous episodes as far as the technical details. But I just want to power through some of these final ones real quick. Um, ads on social media for any product are generally something you want to avoid. Almost, God, seventy percent are not. I won't say a scam, but they're not what they appear to be. Um, so careful on any kind of product ads on social media. Um, fake delivery emails are another really big one. We just talked about this. You'll get uh, like a text message or an email text messages are very common right now saying, we tried to deliver a product to your house. It didn't show up. You just need to pay us a buck for shipping and it'll be delivered. You will get one of those text messages from December 25th to, to January 15th. You're going to get those text messages. They're complete 
BS. They're fake. Do not respond to those. Just delete the number, block it from your phone if you can. That is not how that works. Yeah, don't reply telling them they've got the wrong person. That's just letting them know they got a good number. Yeah, don't don't even don't even reply telling them how you feel about it because you're just validating that your phone number is one that somebody uses. Um, so if you get those text messages uh, that say you missed something on shipping, please do not respond to them. Ignore them. That's not legitimate. Um, Another one is is uh, a fake charity charity organizations, which just turns my stomach. There's a lot of those on social media. Donate uh, to this this uh, organization for Christmas. It's for toys for kids or whatever. Make sure you do your research on who you're donating to. Do not ever just click on an ad on social media about a charity organization and hit the donate button. You're probably giving money to somebody who's scamming you, and that doesn't get checked. So you're not going to even find out until it's too late. If you ever find out, go directly to validated sources of charities. There's plenty of them. Um, don't do it through social media. And then uh, phishing emails. That's another one. People are trying to get your passwords. That's really common as people are trying to reset passwords for things like Amazon accounts. Those people who don't use these accounts very frequently. Uh, this is the time of year where they're getting back into those accounts. And you're going to get these fake like, hey, you forgot your password. Click here to reset it. Keep an eye out for those things. Um, holiday travel packages. That's another really big one. Again, leads from social media. It's a, you'll see these ads on Facebook in your feed or whatever about this like travel package you can get for a discounted price. Social media ads in general are something you'd be very, very skeptical of. Um, the last thing is, again, a physical uh, thing to be aware of, not, not in the digital world as much. Credit card skimmers are at their most prevalent this time of year. So when you're at the gas station or you're at the store or wherever and you're swiping your credit card or you're sticking the little uh, chip inside of the, the machine, just do a quick look at it to make sure it doesn't have like a phony cover. It's really common. Um, good practice as much as you can. Use your credit card for purchases and then pay that card off. It's not only good for your credit, but it's also protection from your credit card company. Some debit cards don't have protection. So if your card gets skimmed, meaning it got copied and somebody uses it somewhere else, you might not have protection depending on the card type that you use. So if you're in, the, in a position to utilize your credit card and then pay that off, that is absolutely not only best for credit, but it is also, in most cases, it is also very good for your own uh, security, digital security. Um, I, I also just want to remind everybody, please do not hesitate to call us. Um, go to techtu.com and, and ask us questions. We, we slow down, tech to you slows down a little bit right before the holiday. And then we get really busy after the holiday. We're going to be slammed. And, um, that doesn't I, mean don't call call, but you're, we relish the phone calls, especially like that. The black Fridays, that black Friday is a, not a busy day for the computer repair industry. It's everything after that, that gets busy. So if you're looking at a deal and you're not sure, please take advantage of that, of that time that we're available. Call us and ask questions. I'm looking at this deal on this website. Is it legitimate? Can you help me out? I'll just tell you the answer for free. No problem. I don't want you to get scammed. Um, so you got anything else you want to add on, on, on scams, Jeff? You feel like anything we missed there? No, we t only talked a lot about it the last couple of weeks. It's just, just a couple of weeks ago was just make sure that you, if somebody's asking you for something and you don't have a reason to expect them to be asking you for it, don't assume that it's legitimate. Yeah, that's good. General rule. Yeah. If you're not expecting somebody to be asking you the question, don't answer it. Um, last thing is I got a final email I wanted to go through a little bit unrelated, but, um, 
So I got an email from Penny. If you could please forward this to Ian, I'd appreciate it. I got it. Uh, I just upgraded my phone to the Pixel 8, and I see that Google has its own VPN service. I'm curious if you or one of your Android using com, uh, compatriots <laughs> is f familiar with this at all and advise me on functionality. Um, a follow-up question I thought of was, what's the difference between different VPN services? Are they really all that different? What should I look for? And then this is really kind of the key part of this question. To be clear, I'm really just looking for a VPN so I can watch the most recent series of Ghosts on BBC. So this is a person who wants to appear like they're in another country. Um, this is relevant to our scam topic because using a VPN is a good way to keep your data private, especially if you do purchases mm -hmm. from... Um, a public location. If you're at the coffee shop and you're on Amazon, that that can be dangerous depending on the Wi-Fi that you've connected to. So uh, VPN service that, um, first off, to answer your question, I do know about the one through Google. Uh, enough to say that it is a great way to privatize the uh, internet traffic that you're sending. Sure. Um, so, so if you're using AT&T as your carrier, for example, and you turn on your VPN, um, AT&T can't see what you're doing anymore. They just know you're sending data that's, that's encrypted, um, but they don't know where, where you're doing it or what you're appearing to do. As far as what Google offers in, in, as, as a way to change your location, I'm not familiar with them having that function. I know that you can turn on a VPN for the private functionality, but I don't know if they have, and I'd be surprised if they did. If it even does exist, I wouldn't consider it the most reliable source for that function. It's, it's a free feature that they've integrated into their phones. Um, iPhone doesn't allow it, and they have their own integrated VPN. You can't say where you're at. So if you want to watch, um, I, by the way, I didn't realize that there was a new season of Ghosts on BBC. I'll have to tell my wife and get my VPN kicked on. Um, she watches that show too. And uh, I, I use and I've recommended this product. Um, and there are, there are plenty of alternatives, but it's the one that I, I just like for convenience. is called Private Internet Access or PIA. Mm -hmm. um, so again, P, they go by PIA, but their name is Private Internet Access. They have a really cool tool where you can say, I'm in England, I'm in Las Vegas, I am in Mumbai, wherever it is that you want to be. For the most part, they have a VPN location for that. that yeah, area. you got to watch those miniseries from Mumbai. That's Yeah, you know, you get the best stuff. They're dope. Yeah. Um, there's really good stuff out there, man. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched it, but it's entertaining. Uh, so, so yeah, PIA is the product that I'd recommend if you can make that work with with your Google integrated VPN service, I'd be very surprised. Um, generally speaking, you need a paid service to do it. And also paid services are for VPN are usually a safer way to go. Google is safe, but don't go, go out to the market and go get a free VPN. That's like a great way for a company to just go steal all the data that you're sending across their network. Um, it's free for a reason. Remember, if it, if it is free, then you are the product. Uh, so yeah. Any, any, any time, any time that you are not paying a company for a service that they are providing you, then you are not their customer. <laughs> Someone else is their customer. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's everything I got for you guys this week. I, I encourage you to please reach out to tech to you over the, over this black Friday weekend, cyber Monday. I'll be back obviously next Tuesday. Um, but as you have questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And if you're listening to this as a podcast later on, 
uh, that that's not an, an ending offer. Anytime, reach out to us and just ask if you're not sure about it. But this. it's going to be too late. You've already been scammed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just reach out to us before that happens. And we're here. We're here 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week answering phones. So you're sitting in front of your laptop at 7.30 on Black Friday, and you're like, oh, God, I don't know. You know, it's it's late. They're probably closed. We're here. We're going to answer the phone. Just not Thursday. That's just not Thursday. Just yeah, that, we are closed on Thanksgiving. We, yeah, we've got, we, we, we let them out of the mines. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sit on their face and everything. Um, so thank you guys what? all. You know, from the mines, from the yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Soot. soot, soot on their face. What did you think I said? It sounded like you said sit on their face, and I was like, that's going to change the rating of this. We were so good this whole time. Uh, we didn't say anything about Kevin's mom, and then right at the end, you just got to go ruin boom, the whole thing. There we go. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope everybody stays safe and has a great time with their family. And uh, if you guys have questions, don't hesitate to call, ask, email. You can send your emails to Rad. They'll forward them over to me. You can email me, Ian at tech to you.com uh, call tech to you happy to help you guys out please don't get scammed this holiday season we're available to help you prevent that happen so please reach out to us thank you guys all for being here and we will see you next week